from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Welcome back to the Coach's Edge Podcast. Special guest, as usual, it's always a pleasure when we have one of our co-hosts, Coach Anthony Troshak, back on the podcast, Charlevoix Boys Basketball on the podcast, and we're doing something unique. We've had a lot of positive feedback in the past when we've done the occasional episode like this, where we either have a topic and we go back and forth with some ideas or we volley some questions back and forth uh, to one another, and so that's what we're going to do. And we're kind of working our way through the summer into the preseason with the topics that we have, whether that's basketball camp, skill development, talking defense, talking communication, and who knows where this conversation is going to going to lead. But I'm excited to get after it with with you, Coach Tro. Um, how's the summer been going? Uh, summer is going great. You know, for most coaches in, in Michigan, June is usually occupied by basketball, uh, whether it's youth youth camps, uh, team camps, shootouts, things like that. And then for me, you know, July is open gyms and workouts. I'm um, just trying to get kids in the gym a couple of times a week for um, both of those. Um, and then it kind of um, tapers off a little way. But, you know, at our school, we have a ton of three sport athletes. In fact, every player um, that is like kind of projected um, or planning on playing varsity basketball plays a fall sport except one. Mm. Um, so, and that's almost program wide from, you know, JB freshman. Uh, so we have a lot of three sport athletes. Um, so I offer opportunities for them to come in the gym here and there, you know, want to get some shots up light stuff. I don't want to put them through a lot of contact because I know, you know, their main focus right now should be their fall sport. But other than that, you know, just loving uh summer in Northern Michigan is our first kind of summer actually settled here, um, with our new house. So it's been a blast. I mean, spending time on the beach and spending a lot of time with family. So it's been good, good summer. How about yourself? I know you had a busy summer with uh, with camps. Um, how many camps did you end up running and how many kind of kids did you or players did you end up coaching? So I don't know the number of camps. I want to say we had 50 what I would call events um, as okay. far as like camp, either camp mm-hmm. days or, or location. Some of those camps are one day. Some of those camps are four days. Um, and then we worked with 949 players this summer, give or take. Not that I'm counting. Uh, but it was 949, uh, which is a, usually we're over a thousand during the summer, but that was on purpose. We dropped one camp that we uh, was a bigger camp and we filled in a couple more private camps. So that was kind of by design, but it's it's always about a thousand um, for the past, besides the COVID year, I think 2019, 21, 22, 23, it's around there. Uh, so it's just really good to work with a lot of programs and a ton of players of all different levels, all different ages. I feel like I learned a lot about myself and a lot about where we are with basketball uh, every single year that really helps me, you know, decide and what I want to work on, what I want to get better at, how I can help people um, from, from different locations. And, um, but it's tiring. It's, it's very tiring. We'll get into, you know, some of that. And um, so it's good to relax a little bit at home before uh, we start to gear up for our fall a fall training, but, um, I'm jealous. I was telling you, but every time I see the nice weather, uh, it's still extremely hot in uh, South Carolina <laughs> right now. So it's nice to see some people are outside enjoying the sunshine. Um, before we dig into the summer and I want to talk about some of the things that you did building your program this summer, uh, I wanted to finish where we left off almost. And that was, you can, 
completed the dribble drive uh, motion course. And as a coach who runs dribble drive, and as many of our coaches, edge.coach members run dribble drive, uh, so you've had the chance to communicate with them. What was the most important thing doing that course that you learned about yourself or your team? Uh, well, it's a, it's a great question. And kind of, um, it's kind of fun to do that, like to dive in and watch a lot of our game film from the previous season. I probably wouldn't have normally watched that much game film um, in, in the off season, like in the spring, but in preparation to make uh, the dribble drive course. Um, and I looked at, it, I had to find clips that demonstrated certain actions or certain concepts. And one thing that I kind of noticed um, as, you know, a theme was getting paint touches just led to great things. So just putting a heavier emphasis on getting the ball into the paint, I felt like, you know, I was even talking to coach Donovan Frank and who's also a coach judge member and he's, he runs um, some sort form of dribble draft kind of. Um, and we talked about, and he mentioned like, you can get a three at any point, you can get a three pointer at any point in the possession. Um, and so watching film and, you know, preparing that course made me realize that we, we need to do a better job of getting the ball in the paint, um, playing inside out. And along with that is like having second cutters and just getting opportunities to score at the rim, I guess is what I'm saying, whether it's through a dribble drive or whether it's through a guy going from the perimeter to the post up and then they get a close shot um, or even a second cutter. What I mean by a second cutter is, you know, off of a drive, maybe I'm, you know, I go from perimeter to post up, somebody's cutting, um, usually from the opposite side, you know, if they see the back of the defender's head, they're just getting an easy one. So putting on the, putting pressure on the paint. So that's one thing, you know, I noticed, um, and that I could do a better job of emphasizing and also creating different uh, ways to get the ball into the paint through different actions or, um, you know, just anything to give us a small advantage to try to get the ball into the paint play inside out. And in terms of, um, you know, myself as a coach, it, it was interesting putting that course together, like making sure the players know the principles and concepts, but to the point where they're like, it's just pounded in their head. They're like, I get it. I get it. You know? Yeah. Uh, all right. Past where help came from. I understand. I understand. Like all right. those just repetitive. And then not only that they know it, but then like practicing it the most, those things should happen the most in your practice and give them reps. It should be included in your you know, off-season program. That's one thing that we're trying to do, you know, is improve those, you know, four-player workouts and have those reads that are based on, um, you know, our offense. So that's kind of the long answer of, of you know, putting, putting the course together. But it was actually, like I said, it was very um, beneficial um, looking back at that, especially watching all that film. That's um, awesome. So, like you always learn a lot from, you know, if you're, you're when anytime you're teaching others, you have to know it well enough. And you're, it's almost this deeper learning that you get yourself when you have to be able to share it to somebody else. That's, that's great. Definitely. And like, actually I'm working on some stuff for uh, the coaches edge program. I have some practice film from earlier in um, our season from last year. Cause I like to film our early season practice. Cause I, we don't have game film to watch and I love watching film. So um, I'm going to kind of break that down. And I, right now it's kind of just charting, like how long kind of each drill took and also like how long I'm talking like coaching and sound bites. And like, is there a time where I'm talking for two minutes? Cause that can't happen in practice. And the first practice I broke down, there was one time where I was like um, over about a minute, 45 seconds. Like, That's too long. You could just tell, um, but just looking for little things. Um, it was just kind of cool. Like watching guys interact on the side that I wouldn't normally notice getting each other touches, 
that um you know I need to emphasize more and also uh, celebrate more. Um, so always you know always cool like putting stuff together for the coaches. That's, yeah, it ultimately you know hopefully it helps a coach or two that's out there. But really, like I benefit a ton from doing <laughs> that, so I, I I enjoy it and I'm hopefully hopefully the coaches get something out of it. No, definitely. Um, but kind of switching gears to you, you know, you worked with close to a, a thousand players this summer. Um, and how long have you been officially like a train at skills trainer doing the summer camp thing? So 2014 is when I started doing this full time. So this was the 10th year that this has been my full time, full time job. Um, 2008, I started running a basketball camp at my home high school. Um, so that's what, 15 years ago that I've at least been directing my own camps. And obviously before that you're an assistant and you're helping out at other camps. So, you know, it's been a couple decades now. Yeah. That's 10, 15 years. Um, you know, that's, that's quite impressive and you're always getting better. You know, every time, um, we have you, I always learn a ton. Every time I go help you out, it's all new stuff. It's great. And I'm learning from it. And in that experience, right more particularly like this summer, what are like one or two takeaways from working with those players and maybe how was that like, how has it been different or trend like trending over 15 years, but in particular, like this summer, what are one or two takeaways um, from working with players that you noticed? Yeah. I mean, having a large sample size every summer definitely helps. And then the longevity of have running camps for, for this long definitely helps. So you can kind of look back and say, you know, what, what is the same? What is, what is different? Um, deep down, I think what's, what's the same is kids, kids want to learn. Kids love the game. Kids want to get better. And they're, you know, deep down, I think they also want to be pushed. They want to be challenged. Right. Um, now there, there's some differences now of what that may look like or entail, but I think internally, um, you know, you, there's a saying you win or you learn. Right. And so if, if I'm always winning, maybe I'm not learning so much. Right. But if, if I'm learning, that also means that there's failure involved. There's mistakes involved. One of my favorite, favorite commercials is the Michael Jordan commercial where he talks about, I failed over and over again in my life. This is why I succeed. He talks about all the shots he's missed, all the game winning shots that he's missed. And so, uh, but, but deep down, I think all of us want to get better. And, and so the, the want to, to be pushed is, is there. Um, some of the things that are, are different. I was talking to coach Greg Mitchell. He's the head men's coach at Hope college. And they bring me in as like their guest coach for their college elite camp. So there was 48 kids we had at camp one sprained his ankle, so 47. And during our lunch, we're halfway through, and I asked him, I said, Coach, you've been, you're, you are Michigan coach of the year. You've been a, a championship college coach at Hope. In, in your mind, over the past four or five years, what do you think some of the things are that have changed with the players that you have? Because I want to also know how can I do what I'm doing I want to do a better job. Right. So, so what, it, what is it? And he said, communication. He said communication is, is the biggest thing that has changed since he started coaching. Kids don't communicate compared to how they, they used to. And he talked about, you know, how social media is, is, is an influence. Our society is an influence. Uh, and so, so he gave kind of some of his thoughts, 
but he said that is his biggest challenge with the, the college athletes is getting them to communicate more often than he would have had to in the past. So fast forward about an hour after lunch and we're all at our baskets performing a uh, part of camp, right? He calls everybody in, right? He calls everybody in. So about 50 athletes sprint in, they get in the circle, right? Now, these are the best players on their team. They're very coachable. They're all working hard. It was a great camp. Coach Mitchell runs an unbelievable camp. But nobody said a word to each other as they came in. And Coach Mitchell was in the middle. <laughs> he had a big smirk on his face. He looked back. He looked at me and he said, see, that's what we talked about. And I was like, mm, okay, right? Because these, these are supposed to be the leaders on their own basketball teams. And for them to be able to come into a huddle and nobody said a word to one another, hey, let's get after it. Hey, good job. You know, like fist bump, nothing. It was just dead silent, Jim. And he said, Steve, that's what we talked. And then he gave a whole message to the camp. He said, guys, you want to be college basketball players. Our communication is a key piece to being a college basketball player. And we got to get you guys to communicate. And in fact, you'll play better if you communicate more. If you communicate through these drills offensively and defensively, you will be better, right? We need to communicate at a higher level. And I've noticed that too. Uh, just there is a lack of lack of communication compared to um, the past. And then the other thing that uh, I really picked up this year was uh, truly, I feel like attention spans are shorter than they've been in the past. Um, and this makes it very difficult to get detailed. Right. Um, as a coach, I could bring you in, explain uh, the drill, and then have you go do it. But where's the detail and the nuance to the footwork and to the hand placement and to the time spent demonstrating that we take a lot of pride in? So you lose some of some of that. Or I could come in, I could spend more of my time demonstrating the points, but maybe I don't do a good enough job or take the time needed to explain what this drill actually looks like so they understand the, the game application, but they're not able to put it into that situation because I didn't do a good job of explaining some of the some of the rules of the, of the drill. And so I found myself and our coaches found ourselves uh, having to do like way more reminding than I've ever done before. And um, having times where I, I just didn't get as detailed as I would have liked to because I felt like the kids were just kind of like that was their mind was overloaded. Right. And I don't feel like that was the case in, in years past, especially before the pandemic. Um, so that was something that was like very, very interesting to me to notice. And so as the summer went along and I started to notice this, I started to ask the coaches that I'm with the varsity coaches who I'm working these camps for. Uh, and, and they were essentially repeating the same thing that I was of this is a struggle. A lot of those coaches are also teachers on the school and talking about how this is a, an extra challenge that over their teaching careers, uh, they're struggling with a little bit more is would you explain directions in the classroom of how to do an assignment? Um, some of the kids attention span is so short, they can't even listen to the directions long enough to do what you ask them to do on their own. And then it feels like in my case, you got to go back to their basket with them 
and almost hold their hands through what you already hoped they could retain. Whereas in years past, most of the time, explain, demonstrate, do. And then when you do, now is when we get to the fun stuff because they're doing it. And then you like teach and you're stacking, 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 like all the extra little details of doing something even better instead of like having to hold your hand to, hey, remember we talked about this. And so that is, um, I know it was probably a long answer to, to some of the my takeaways, but like those were two big takeaways that I had as far as the, the kids that we're working with and, and the challenges that we have. And I know I'm not, um, you know, the only one in, in that boat, um, communication needs to improve, uh, attention spans, you know, you mentioned with your team talking in sound bites. And the struggle for me with that is, um, in a practice, like when we do our fall or spring training programs, where I see those same kids every single week for months at a time, it's so much easier for me to teach in sound bites because I keep getting those same kids. But when you only get a kid for one day or two days out of 365, you have to like pack everything into like this, this big bucket and then boom, we go. And so it's a very different dynamic than uh, even weekly training with the same players or daily training throughout in, in season where you just kind of build off, like they don't have anything to build on, like you're a brand new coach. So um, those are some of the challenges that I'm, you know, I got to do some more homework. I have to become a better coach because of some of those, those challenges that we had this year. Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned those things, um, you know, I I would agree Uh, communication and it's not like coaches might think, Oh, communicating on the floor. No, it's like communicating and interacting in general. Right. Um, off the floor, on the side, like you talked about, or even like communicating their feelings, like of frustration, mm-hmm. of excitement, of you know, um, you know, disappointment. It yeah. player they struggle with that because it just doesn't happen as much as like, and you, we, as coaches, we have to look at uh, like you're looking at it, like how can I do this? How can we help these players out? How can we help these kids out? Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, the coaches listening, it's not just communication of you know my ball screen coming it's just right. overall how do we communicate and interact with each other mm-hmm. and then on a, the tension span thing you're talking about it uh, made me think of when I helped you out at a camp this summer and how you would like cold call different coaches like you would go over the drill go over a couple of key points we'd go for you know 45 seconds to two minutes and then randomly you'd cold call like me or you know coach coach bone hunter and you'd be like, hey, what do you what are you guys seeing? And we would give, you know, a 30 second answer. Boom, we're on the next thing because that's a way you kind of like stack it on top of each other because, all right, they're doing the drill. Now we need them to focus on, you know, putting their body on the defense. All right, let's go over that real quick. All right, now that they have that, let's put something else on top of that. And I thought, you know, that's one thing I took away from helping you at those camps was just those simple, quick sound bites where you asked the coach. Um, and, you know, provided that that feedback that they could instantly um, implement into that drill. I appreciate that. And and the as a head coach, like essentially when I'm coming to run the camp, I'm the head coach, right? But as the head coach of your practice, you may see something that an assistant coach sees. You may not see one of the things that the assistant coach sees. But regardless, there's a ton of value in having the coach share, right? Whether they were going to share the same thing you were going to say or sometimes they're going to share something that you didn't see, right? They saw some different reps. They saw some different players. And so tons of value in making sure like your voice isn't the only one that's heard. 
All right, moving on, coach. This is uh, something that we wanted to touch on as far as, I mean, this could be an entire podcast on its own, but would you think of all the things that Charlevoix boys basketball does throughout the course of the summer, right? And you can even share some of, some of those things. What was the most important thing you did for your program this summer? I know this is a toughie. Yeah, it's definitely tough because everything you do, you you hope has value and serves purpose from the open gyms we run to the practices before our team camps. Um, but for me, particularly with the team that we have, um, it's going to sound funny, but like, and I'll tell you the story, um, going, we went overnight to Alma team camp and originally we were just going to go to Ferris for a day, but I messed up registration. So that was just kind of a, a way of God working in a funny way. So we couldn't go. <laughs> so we went to Alma and then we stayed the night and like, it was just a great bonding experience. And, you know, you've heard all those stories, but like the fact, like staying overnight, getting the kids away from Charlevoix. And what happened was we stopped at a subway to grab some food coming in. And uh, one of my, one of our players, Jack Terryberry, he awesome kid. He's like a sports buff. And for some reason he wound up at the, the nearest uh, resale store. And he found like this old Florida state Jersey, like he could name the player. And I'm like, so we're playing our games that day. And he's like, coach, can we go back to that resale store? Like, I, I want that jersey. I'm like, it really means that much to you, Terry Berry, man? Like, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go back and check it out. And I go, if we're going back, I go, everyone is picking out an outfit from the store. And I go, you have, we're putting a $10 limit on it, the most outrageous outfit, and you have to wear it bowling tonight. Mm. So we go to this store in between games, and these guys are trying on, like, the most ridiculous outfits. These, these two players, they had, like, matching track suits, like, stuff that, like, Dorothy and Rose and that other, the Golden Girls would wear. Nice. Like, this, this matching track outfit, and they went and they bowled in it, and we just had a blast, and then we added on to it. We go, all right, whoever's the lowest bowling score, you have to wear your outfit the next day to our first game until, like, warm up. So, you're entering the building with that. Um, and I don't know, like, that's just a story that, these guys are going to be able to tell it's, it's yeah, remember like that forever. a highlight. Like it's in those are how inside jokes start that no mm -hmm. one else gets, but the people that were there that moment, that's how you build, um, you know, bonds. But I, I mean, like I said, it was, but just taking your team somewhere overnight and being able to stay with them, getting out of a different environment, not just playing basketball, not just, Hey, we're going to go to this camp and we're going to play four games and then we're going to head home. Like there was downtime. Um, so that was, that was awesome. And then, um, for the for youth program um you know always thank the passer uh cam riley he, he had a hundred day challenge and he does it from i think like third grade through 12th grade i wasn't ready to unravel that um yet so i did one from kindergarten to eighth grade it was more youth-based and we have two camps in the summer here in Charlevoix for youth one is right after school gets out like a uh, second week in june usually and the other one is the first week of august and kind of worked out perfectly. That was about a 50 day gap. Um, so we created a 50 day challenge and, you know, I put together some videos. I took some former players, um, demonstrated some videos, put them on YouTube, put them in a, you know, a Google sheet that players could either take home or I sent it electronically to their parents. And they had a challenge 50 days, a certain amount of shots um, made a certain amount of ball handling, 10, 10 hours of ball handling. Um, and you know, you know, about 10 games of one-on-one -on -one and 
it was awesome to hear like I got these pictures from this mom saying that her two daughters were like out in the driveway. She has shown me a picture of that and they saved up their own money to like buy a basketball hoop. And I was like, oh man, like I got chills. Like Ooh, that yeah. made my That's day. Awesome. And so they obviously completed the 50 day challenge and just hearing like other, you know, parents, you know, yeah, they had a routine. They'd go out in the driveway every morning or they'd go do this. And, you know, even the players that didn't complete the challenge, I know there was a couple that like started it or got some into it and they just didn't do all of it. So that's, I'm going to try to tweak it just a little um, in case a kid's like, well, I can't do all 50 days or they look down the path and they're like, oh, I'm not going to get there. So I'm going to stop. So some sort of still like incentive to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but we had eight players um, from kindergarten through eighth grade complete the challenge. Nice. Um, and so it was, it was pretty cool and something I'm going to continue. And I might even use that kind of exact same thing and do it in the winter. So have run basically two challenges a year. One will be summer. One will be like our youth program for K2 ends in like January. So I could, you know, have them go February for 50 days or hmm. the, they'll wait until the older kids are over and kind of do something in the spring. So those two things I thought um, in particular, I was geeked about, I was excited about um, for our program this summer. So last question. So what did you wear to bowling? I had like this purple Hawaiian shirt um, with like these purple kind of, I don't even know, leg, not leg. No, they were like just, baggy women's pants or something like that so i <laughs> i did win bowling though so i knew i wouldn't have to wear that the next day <laughs> but there was uh, yeah there were some great outfits i have pictures of them um so it was, it was a fun time it was a blast i love it the, the, like the there's memories from you know being silly like nobody has great memories from hey remember that one time we had that really easy practice and coaches let us out early. Like nobody talks about that. Right. But they're going to talk about what you're talking about. They're going to talk about like the challenges, the hard times that they've been through, like the struggle and, and um, all those different, you know, those fun activities, silly activities, the hard things, like all those things are, are great team builders. Yeah, definitely. You know, something that uh, I, I'll remember, I didn't like was, that's, sent a picture to my wife and she's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, I'll explain it later. It's a blast though. Um, so it was a good time. Um, you know, back to yourself though. Um, and back, you know, been doing camps for 10, 15 years. Um, this summer in particular, what's something that or you learned about yourself or a takeaway about yourself from, from this summer's camp and clinic schedules? Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I, nobody's harder on me than me. And you can probably say the same, same about yourself. Like we're, we're critical of ourselves. Right. Um, as I look at our camps in 2023, we always want to be able to say, Hey, that was the best summer ever. Right. That was the best blah, blah, you know, whatever. 2023, our summer camps was not the best summer we've ever had with Kramer basketball. All right. It wasn't. And I, I look back at, especially uh, post COVID is kind of like a good break. I thought after 2021, after 2022, I left both those summers looking back and being like, wow, like what an amazing summer that was. I don't feel that way about 2023. Um, I feel like very like driven to make sure it's better next year. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of reasons for that. Um, one was, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, but, uh, I had like a serious leg injury all spring and like my, I, I train based on my summer, 
like my whole 12 months out of the year, what I do throughout each year is kind of built upon my end season. My end season is summertime. So um, like after our summer camps in, I take about three weeks and I just kind of relax, take it easy, exercise a little bit, but I don't like, there's a difference between working out and training, right? And then I'll go into body weight stuff for a while. And then I'll go into light lifting through December. And then once I hit January through March, I'll go heavy lifting, I'll bulk. Um, so like, and then in April and May, I'll start to um, do like more maintain, but then I'll focus on athletic development for those two months. And then we hit our summer and that's what I do. Uh, that's kind of the, the system that I found that works pretty well for me. Well, uh, so instead I did three months of rehabilitation on my calf. Right. So all the usual leg stuff that I did, I couldn't do. And I was doing rehabilitation exercises instead at my PT. They give me stuff to do every day. And, um, you know, I, I never, I've never put in more time and effort and energy into our summer camps as I did this year, the most I've ever done. Um, but I think I, my physically like wore out for like the first time. And I, I think I got to figure out what that looks like moving forward because one, I'm getting older. Right. So that's not going to change. Um, two, okay. I had an injury this year, but what's to say, I don't have another injury down the road. Uh, so that's something for me to, to think about. And uh, so there's the physical aspect of how can I be more physically prepared for nine straight weeks of at least three different states, thousands of miles, late nights, drive, like all these different things that go into running our, our camp schedule. How can I do a better job there? Right. So that's, that's physical. That's like nutrition. I was looking at, you know, different things that reduce inflammation. Um, I was like, I did pretty good on that already. You know, I like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking all the, all these weeks I'm thinking of like, what can I do better for, uh, for next year? Like, um, I'm actually going to see a doctor. I think I may have a hernia. Uh, I think I, I pulled something at attack camp when you were there, actually, I don't know if it was one of your days, but like I was doing a side lunge and I felt like a twinge. And now every time I cough, my groin hurts and I feel like there's press. So I got a doctor's appointment coming up for that. Um, I hurt my wrist over 4th of July being stupid. I dove playing pickleball and I messed my wrist up. So that was like a week and a half in July. It hurt every time I took a jump shot and every time I dribbled, every time I passed, because it was my right wrist. Um, so like, and then to make it, so this last night, sometimes you forget you have an injury, right? You ever forgotten you have an injury? So last night I'm thinking I'm going to impress my wife. This isn't going anywhere bad, so don't worry. <laughs> the thing I'm going to impress my wife, and so I, I'm going to jump over the back. She's sitting on the couch watching TV. I'm going to jump over the back of the couch, land, and sit right next to her. I was like, that'll be a good idea. Just leap the couch. So so I, I start running. I put my right hand on the back of the couch. I leap the couch, boom, sit right next to her. Except I got a bad wrist. So instead of me like, Hey, that was sweet. I just leaped this couch. I am holding my wrist and I'm like, Oh, my wrist. And I'm like, Oh, I forgot. Like it's so messed up. And then, so instead of her being like, my husband's almost 40, just leaped this couch in a single bound. She's telling me you're old 
and your body's falling apart and she's laughing at me instead. So that was just last night. Right. So like I'm, 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 I'm hurting. Right. And so that's a little bit of what I got to do to get better. And then the other thing that I, I want to do to get better for next year. And we had some exit meetings with a couple of the coaches that do a really good job for us this summer. And we've chatted and I tried to take a page out of some of our coaches edge uh, members, some conversations we had about practice planning. And I think it backfired on me. And I'm, 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 I realized that camps are not weekly training sessions and camps are not daily basketball practices. And you can't treat them that way. Um, throughout the course of the summer, I treated it more like a practice in a sense that like my players probably have like enough background information already. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. And they also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles with one of the largest selections of trucks in the state. They are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin are truck country. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. And I can tell you firsthand from purchasing a couple different vehicles from Richardson Automotive, they are all about service. Stop in and see them today. They will get you right. Different from being a coach at a practice or even a trainer like I am throughout the course of the rest of the year where kids are used to some of the routine and they can come in and you can kind of pick up where you left off and build, build, build. I took that into saying, hey, I can be more efficient with my camps if we just kind of roll right into it, right? We get our warm up in, right? We, we, here's our first skill that we're working on and boom, 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 boom. And, and we're going. And then we'd be an hour into our camps and I kind of look around and I'll be like, this doesn't have the, the vibe, right. The feel that it usually does, that it usually has. I was like, well, what's, what's different. And again, it's, it's kind of me having a couple of weeks off from my camps and being able to reflect and look back on all this. But basically if I could do all my camps all over again, the biggest thing that I would change is I'd do a better job of setting the tone. And I, I think of um, what I have to do that as much if I was in your shoes as a daily basketball practice. No, but in my case of like just coming in to work with players and a lot of them, they've never even met me before. Or if they do, uh, they see me every summer for for these camps. The importance of bringing the players in before camp and laying a foundation, a foundation for expectations, setting a tone for uh, the energy and the positivity and the instruction that they're about to receive and giving them a, a better frame of mind of how they can attack this day or this week and make the most out of the time that they have together. And uh, that was one thing that I, I've always kind of done and I've taken a, a lot of pride in that. But for some reason, I just didn't do it as much this year. It was just like we were roll right right into camp for, for most of the camps we did. And um, I won't I won't do that again. You know, and it's just like camps are a different animal 
basketball instruction wise than other types of basketball instruction. So I just need to keep, keep that in mind. And I think that allow our camps to go uh, a lot smoother um, and, and a lot better and a lot more efficient as well as having probably a higher level of energy uh, throughout the course of a camp instead of like trying to work our way towards that. Usually when I set the tone, we get to that energy level right off the jump. Uh, and that's where, where I want to be at every time. Uh, it makes sense. And it says a lot about yourself that you're, you, you know, you're willing to look at, reflect on it and take ownership of it and look to improve it. And as a coach, like it made me think of sometimes at the beginning of a season, I will still have like my mind, like pictured at the end of last season, what things mm-hmm. were like. And it was like a well-oiled, mach- well-oiled machine, but we had like four months. Right. So like you think that's how it's going to be, but you don't realize that like you have to start back from that foundation, mm-hmm. back from ground zero. And it might've been like a camp that you do every summer and you see a lot of these familiar faces like, oh, you know, they kind of know the things let's get rolling. But really like it's been a year mm-hmm. um, and for coaches listening, like, yeah, every season, even if you're returning like 10 guys, uh, you know, you're still going to have to set the tone that first week. You're still going to have to go over your standards and expectations, even though you know them because you've been thinking about them all summer and all fall heading into that. Those kids, their mind's been on their fall sports. Those kids mind been on whatever um, else. So they need a reminder. They need that focus. Um, so I think, you know, when you're mentioning that as a coach listening, you know, it definitely, it hits like in a, an understandable, you know, feeling that I, I understand what you're talking about. And it's, I think a lot of coaches can take what you just said in that honesty that you said it in and reflect on, you know, how they're going to set the tone for this season. Yeah. Take that and apply it, you know, whatever, you know, best suits, you know, where, where you're at as a coach, no doubt about that. You ran a couple of coaches edge meetings over the course of, of the summer. And one of those most recent ones, you talked a lot about defense with some of our coaches edge members have any of your philosophies changed and you can take this wherever you want. Um, Cause again, this question is probably a whole podcast episode on its own, but has your philosophy changed at all regarding any main defensive topics that you might discuss that could be post defense. It could be, you know, where you're forcing the basketball, how, how much ball pressure you apply, how do you defend ball screens Um, you know, take that one, two, anything that most applies to yourself and your program. Yeah. Um, and we had a great meeting. We had a great two meetings actually. Um, but you know, the defense one, I coached, I think it's coach Riley, coach uh, Kohler, coach Campbell, myself. I don't know if there's another one. Um, but the thing that it made me think of as we were, you know, discussing and sharing what we did philosophies, things like that is there's more than one way to be successful. Mm -hmm. One coach, you know, was explaining how they are no middle. We don't want to allow middle. The other one's no baseline. Guess what? Mm -hmm. They both won conference, multiple (laughs) conference and district titles. So it just reminds me of whatever you believe in and you do like you need, or you coach the best and you're comfortable and you need to go with that. So I guess if that's an adjustment, like, you know, go with what your strong suits are trying, you know, try not to do something that you're not maybe an expert in or that you don't feel comfortable with um is is one thing and you know i think they all need to align so back in the day um it was tony bennett or no who tony bennett's virginia who's his dad virginia. Was it dick bennett dick yep. bennett was his dad dick bennett. so he 
you know, back in the day said that you need to base your defense on how you're going to guard the post. So what he did was they would front the post on the high side, three quarters. So if the ball's on the wing, they didn't want to give up baseline. Because if that makes sense, if you give up baseline and that post guy has inside position, they can kind of seal the defender layup. Mm -hmm. Now that the game is evolving, like I think it's more about two things. One, one, how are you going to defend a ball screen? Mm -hmm. So that's where you're going to look at, um, you know, the influence of the rest of your philosophy. Yeah. And, and this goes hand in hand with like, are you going to force baseline? You're going to for not force, but um, are you okay with them going baseline or okay with them going middle? Mm -hmm. um, or you want to try to take away both, which is really tough. Or are you like, Hey, no middle, no middle. And then try to cut off the baseline the best you can, but definitely mm -hmm. no middle, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. That's how you're going to have to build your, your post defense on. That's how you're going to have to build. How are you going to guard ball screens? Because if you are a no middle team, um, and you're guarding the ball screens, your positioning on the wing, if I'm guarding the wing, is naturally going to be forcing them to the baseline. So if he's using the screen to try to get to the middle, if I get beat baseline, he's not only beating me, he's beating that that other defender. So he's leaving two guys. So it would make sense if, you, if you're um, no middle and you're forcing baseline to kind of ice screens. But can you do that at your level? Um, whatever, you know, coaches are thinking. So that's one thing is like, you need to have your defensive alignment. And I, it used to be kind of like, all right, how we're guarding the post. Now I think it's like, how are you going to guard the ball screen or what are you okay with, um, you know, the ball going where you want it to go. Um, so I think that's one philosophy that's kind of changed or I thought about it. The other one is switching on defense. You know, I used to think like, here's our matchups. And I still think there's some importance to this, but not as much, I guess, as my philosophy as changing throughout years is like, you know, this is who you're guarding. You're fighting through these screens. You're dipping your shoulder. You're doing all this stuff. Now, like, if you can switch and you can switch, like, four positions, like, from an offensive standpoint, that's tough. Like, I, teams that switch are tough. Um, and defensively, if you can switch well, like, I was actually just today watching Coach Campbell's team. I watched a couple of the clips because he was one that was on the podcast. And he was talking about switching. And I was like, I want to see what they do. And man, they not only is switch, they do a great job of it. And they're tenacious on defense. Mm -hmm. Aggressive um, switch. So that's something that like has changed. I used to, I don't think we'd switch barely ever back, you know, when I was coaching eight, you know, 10 years ago. Now, you know, I'm thinking leaning more towards, hey, let's switch. And we're probably going to switch more, especially with the team that we have um, coming up, you know. And I think teams will almost at times um, get out of their rhythm if they're trying to find that matchup. Like, oh, we switched. All right, hey, here's mm -hmm. the matchup. Um, so it couldn't even, you know, be detrimental to a team that tries to take advantage of that. And you just got to understand what's going to happen if there are mismatches and things like that. Um, so that's another philosophy, you know, that talking to fellow coaches and just kind of, you know, throughout the years have changed is uh, the, the ability to switch on defense. And I think the the disruption it can bring to an offensive team and just the, the difficulty it can bring to them by, you know, switching aggressively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two great points um, defensively, you know, how, how are you building and, 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 you know, maybe it is guarding the post for, for you as a program and how you play, but I love what you just shared. If a lot of teams are on the ball screen, that is a foundational aspect of how we want to be defensively. And then uh, how are we going to guard in general? Is that a switching type defense? And those can go hand in hand with the ball screen, right? So that can come back in your case to that. Um, so 
there's a lot of different things that uh, you can break down defensively there and, and being able to say, this is how we're going to play. Now, does what we do complement what we play, how we play, what we want to get out of uh, the group that we have? And then from there, it's kind of like a yes, no checklist as far as what you want to work on throughout the course of the season. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is a good time to have that philosophy or what you're going to do and then build from there. And I think if you're trying to build your defense or if you're trying to improve it, you know, look at your principles of how you're going to grab the ball screen and where you want the ball to go. Um, if you do those things, then you can you can build how you're going to guard the post. You can you can build out, you know, where you want to force the ball and things like that. To you, I guess, um, you know, ping pong and back and forth. In the time of year we're in, I just talked about, you know, coaches can start thinking about, you know, coming up with their defensive philosophy and how that aligns. Now, for coaches that have some multi-sport athletes um, in the fall right now, um, and maybe they want to put them through like a 45-minute workout, um, what, and let's say it's maybe once a week, twice at the most, what would that workout, what should that workout look like, Coach Kramer? It's funny you ask that because, I just had a coach's edge meeting with one of our members, Coach Robertson down in Alabama um, with his his boys team. We had a, we were on for about an hour yesterday. And this was one of the topics that we we discussed was uh, these preseason workouts, these small group workouts with <clears throat> with his players. 45 minutes to go by in a hurry. And um, so if you have had the chance to hear me talk about pre-practice routine, uh, I highly recommend you check that out. If that has to be a part of the 45 minutes, so be it. Um, but I'm I'm big on figuring out what are the skills that are like those daily vitamins. We always want to touch base on these things, make that just a natural habit that that we have. And for me, it's jump rope, it's form shooting, and it's ball handling. Those are my three, right? And so in 45 minutes, can we break that into can can jump rope, form shooting, and ball handling take up the first 10 minutes of that workout. Right. And so now we got 35 minutes to work with. Now I'm asking myself, what happens a lot within how we play the drills that we're going to work on and what I want to work on, what the kids want to work on. Do they fall in line with our style of play? I'm asking myself those two things. Those help me with my workout design, my practice design. And then the last thing that I would ask is, how are we going to compete today? Because we always want to compete, right? There's always got to be competition, right? Not just for fun, but I want my kids winning and losing every day. I think something is is built in us that if we get uh, not accustomed to losing by any means, but if we understand what it feels like to win, what it feels like to lose, and the lessons that we can take from both of those things as much as possible, there's great value that can be done as long as we are still in a mental frame of mind where we are competing hard. And if we start to lose some of that, we'll also lose the value in, right? And we'll start to build bad habits out of that. So what happens a lot, does it fall in line with what we're going to do this season and see a lot this season? And then how are we going to uh, compete today? And those are the three questions that I'm going to ask. And that's going to decide how we're going to use these 35 minutes, right? Um, I'm a big believer that footwork really takes us a lot of places, 
right? And I'm, I'm a big believer that your footwork can make you more athletic essentially than you are. Lack of great footwork can make you less athletic than you actually are or should be. And so be detailed with footwork, whether that's finishing, whether that's ball handling, whether that's how we're playing defense, right? Make sure that we're, we're emphasizing those things regardless of what we're doing. If it's passing, like is, is a kid just stepping forward on a pass? Well, you're not going to be able to step forward in a pass. When the defender's there, you're going to have to step around that that defender or pivot and then make, make that pass. So point of emphasis is going to be huge, huge, huge. As far as like some of the main uh, drills or skills that we might do, I always want to play a little one-on-one. All right. So that's something that we're going to do. Uh, we're, we've worked on some form shooting. We're also going to have some competitive shooting involved. That could be a time shooting drill. That could be a shooting drill for makes. That could be both. That could also include um, like live decision-making shooting drills. It could be shooting against some pressure against uh, contest. Those ones will be, will be big. Now, similar to yourself, coach, if you run a dribble drive and, and my mentality offensively is, is would to be a pretty aggressive offensive type uh, player or team. I want to work a lot on attacking the basket off the bounce. I want to work on a, a lot of finishes off of two feet. And I want to work a lot on inside out relocation threes because that would fall in line uh, with, with how my team and my mind would want to play. Right. And so I, I don't think that there's a, a right or a wrong to what you do with those 45 minutes, as long as you're asking those so yourself those questions and that they line up with um, what you're going to get bang for your buck wise, that's going to get that translation into the season. Uh, in 45 minutes, you should be able to have high, high level engagement with your kids. They're not in there for a long time. And if it's only once or twice a week, uh, this is going to be a high intensity workout. Um, the The struggle for any coach, I think, is to look at 45 minutes and say, okay, well, I'm going to do a million different things in those 45 minutes. And now you don't accomplish anything because you're going to spend so much time talking and transitioning the players from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. They're not actually doing that much. So the last thing that I would leave is if you have two workouts a week, I would have a theme to each workout, right? And so uh, I got my my daily vitamins or my pre-practice routine. I'm asking myself those base questions. And then even though we might work on a couple different skills, I'm going to say, hey, Mondays after school workout is a primary shooting workout. That's going to be the main focus. When we come back on Wednesday, that's going to be more of a finishing workout. We're still going to compete. We'll still do some one-on-one, but those drills are going to change and those kids can go in and they'll, they'll really be able to soak in uh, more of a, a single point of emphasis. And because of that, as a coach, I think you're going to be able to do a better job of teaching that theme for the workout instead of really kind of scattering and, and bouncing around. Um, that's how I would do it. If you ask me a year from now, I might I, I might change. I might say, hey, I think I got a better way of doing it, do it now. But at this point in time, um, I think that would give you a, a pretty solid blueprint, in my opinion. Yeah, I really like um, competing. And, it, you know, if you got athletes that are in season, it doesn't have to be 
one-on-one competitive. It could be, you know, ball handling competition. You have those burnout series. It could be shooting competitions. It could be finishing competitions, whatever it might be. But having them there, one, it's it's more fun, like you mentioned. And two, like it, it brings that level up because it's tough, you know, 45 minutes. Uh, they're in season. Maybe they're in school. Um, you know, how do we raise that level up for those 45 minutes? And one way to do that is, is compete um, and even chart that and maybe compete against themselves, but have something where they're not just going through the motions because that, that's just a waste of time. They might as well not even be there. So mm-hmm. competing is a great way to do that. Yeah. And I, I, I would, one thing that I would consistently um, try to remind players of is expect, like, I would just, we, we do a little exercise that we talk about like some of the challenges. I think we did this in Charlevoix actually last November when I, whatever it was mm-hmm. when I came in of, and basically it's a breakdown of like, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be times that are not optimal. Right. And we still have to, you know, come together as a team. It's also a little bit of a communication exercise. So that helps as well. We have to understand like, Bad things are going to happen. Challenges are going to happen. Hard things are going to happen. But we can get through those things. And we got to be able to embrace that. And if everything was sunshine and rainbows, it wouldn't be sunshine and rainbows. That would be average. That would be normal, right? So you, if you're going to have the good, you got to have some of the, the bad with it. And I think that it's important for us, whether it's a workout, whether it's a team meeting, whether it's in the middle of the season, end of the season, beginning of the season, to keep reminding that to our players. Um, Because if there was one thing that I could add on to the question you asked in the very beginning was, um, we live in such a highlight reel society that I I want our players to feel very comfortable when they make a mistake. I want them to feel um, like not embarrassed if they miss a layup, right? I don't if, if you're doing your best, I'm, I'm good. That's, that's all I can ask is that you are doing your, your best. And if you make a mistake, that's how we continue to learn and grow. So I think now more than ever, um, at least one of the things that I'm trying to do a better job of as a coach is to continually remind our players, this is a positive learning environment, especially in the preseason where we can learn, we can grow. And if we really want to improve, we got to make mistakes to get there. We have to make, we have to fail essentially to, to get where we want to go. And that's something that um, I think our kids just need, as a whole need to hear more often from, from more people. Yeah, definitely. Even as, as a coach, you can share your vulnerability of, you know, Hey, I made a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that drill yesterday didn't go as planned. That's on me. That's on me yeah. guys. Like, and if you if you own that and you show that it, it's okay and you reflected on it, hey, you know that drill yesterday wasn't the best. I made some tweaks. It's going to be better today. That that's on me, guys. I'm sorry about that, fellas. Um, you know you're showing them the way, and and you know kids nowadays need that that example more than they need you know the words. They're going to follow your actions. Um, so I think that's that's a great point, Coach. We got we're going to have to do a part two to this because we both have questions okay. that we want to ask. Yeah uh, one another, which will, which will be really good, but, uh, this was a great start. So to our listeners treat this as part one of two with coach Tro, as we, uh, think about some of the things that we've learned this, this summer, 
and how we're starting to approach uh, basketball season this winter that we can use this fall to continue to improve. And my one ask is my only ask. Um, when it comes to the Coach's Edge podcast, like a, a positive rating, a review, these this isn't just Coach Tro and I flipping, hitting record, yucking it up for a while, right? I mean, we, we, we schedule a time. We submitted questions back and forth. We talked about some ideas. We've obviously taken some some thought into our responses. Right? We're, we're recording it. And later I'll I'll cut some of the audio. We had some audio issues on this one, especially. I'll put the post up. Like so all that to listen to a free podcast episode. So like if that's my one ask. If you, that's the only way that we we grow and we want to, you know, we talk about teaching sharing and learning the game from, from one another. Uh, and so that would be a huge thing for, for coach Tro and myself is just, Hey, tell us what you think of the podcast, right? Um, put it in a, a comment section, reach out to us on Twitter and email. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Um, you know, we want to continue to teach, share, learn the game and do better ourselves and, and everything we do that includes the podcast uh, as well. So we really appreciate uh, your support for doing that. So uh, coach Tro, this was great. And uh, look out for, for part two. Thanks for listening. Get after it today.